What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Amen. Amen. If we could all just stand really quick. Um, you know, the Bible talks about giving honor to where honor is due, and um, definitely want to do that. Um, firstly, to President Hagan, to Dr. Graham. I know they're not here with us, but we want to honor them. Uh, could you clap your hands for them today? Visionary for our college and also the visionary for spiritual life. We want to thank them. Dr. Brathwaite, Dr. Flippo, thank you all so much. Dr. Flippo, especially you. Come on, you can clap. Thank you so much for your stewardship, your mentorship for me. Um, and then another group that just kind of goes undisclosed you know, in times like this. Can we just give it up for all the administration, all the staff, everyone that works in the office, Every single janitor, every single person that makes this school what it is. Honestly, there's not enough honor that we could give to them. And often we take them for granted, and I just don't want to do that, you know. We want to honor everybody that deserves it. And secondly, I'd like to give a hand, give yourself a hand clap, right? Because you are a part of this school, and you make it a wonderful place. Last but not least, can we give honor to God? Come on, can we give honor to God? The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. The one who sets us free, and now we are free indeed. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's such an amazing God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to be in your presence. And Lord, we just want to honor you. We want to glorify your name. We want to make your name holy today. One day, every tongue will uh, confess, every knee will bow and confess you as Lord and Savior, King and Kings and Lord of Lords. But God, we take this moment, not in the future, but in the now to declare you as our King, as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you and we honor you today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can all be seated. Amen. Amen. So Dr. Flippo has already told you a little bit about me, uh, a little bit about my story. And it, yes, it has had quite a few challenges. Um, at my time at NCU, I've had a lot of defining moments, you know, uh, moments of learning, um, moments of challenge. Um, but through it all, through my experience um, at my couple of years here at NCU, um, the Lord challenged me to give you some tools um, today, to give you tools that extend past your now and go into your future. I know a lot of times we hear pastors and preachers and teachers and evangelists and um, orators that, you know, give us the tools that we need now. Um, but as the setting, you know, is, we are all going somewhere. Amen? Oh, come on, talk back to me. We're all going somewhere. We all have a future. We all have a purpose. We all have a destiny. And I feel burdened today if I don't equip you for the now and for the future. I feel like I'm doing a disservice. So I want to equip you for the now and for the future. 
This year, I've learned to persevere, to, per, to push through trials and, temp, and challenges and temptations. I learned um, how to push myself, right, through studies, through academics, to push myself. And I also went to have some very needed rest. And some of you are like, I'm going to rest right now. Jonathan, you know, I love you. <laughs> But I'm going to rest right now. And there's no worries. I won't take any. It's no harm or file to me. It's all good. Um, one, another thing I learned. I learned uh, that doing your senior project with 18 credit hours is not wise. So if you are on the verge of wanting to graduate early, but you have to do 18 credit hours and your senior project to do it, I do not recommend it. So don't do that. It's not wise. And on the same side, I've learned that it's important to have wisdom. And I wish I would have had that wisdom, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Brother got a family. <laughs> you got to finish on time. Got to get a job. <laughs> right. Um, I've, I've learned to lean into the defining moments in my life, uh, inflection points, if you will, um, in your life. And in those, and in those times of inflection, um, it's kind of hard to see how it directly impacts you, right? How is it going to directly impact my future? But you do have this pull, this tug to go and do something, to define something, it defines your character. It's a defining moment. I've had those this year. Um, I've also experienced loss this year. Um, you can put up the picture. That right there is one of the most awesome women I've ever had the privilege to meet. That's my grandma in her younger years. I remember when I was younger, I would go over her house every single summer, and we would talk literally for hours, just talking about life. I mean, she was a, she was a smooth talker, quiet soul, as am I, uh, until I get a mic in my hand <laughs> and start preaching about Jesus. Then I'm not so timid. But... She is one of the strongest people that I've ever had the privilege of meeting, the privilege of having in my life. I miss her dearly. I've experienced loss with my cousin, Denia. That was just a couple of months ago. Uh, dying in a fatal car accident. Uh, just a few weeks before, I had the privilege of talking with her and seeing her and interacting with her. Me and my wife stopped by to see her and her family and my uncle. And it's tough. It's rough. I miss her dearly. But on the other side, this year, I've been able to experience life. You can put up the next picture. That is Jeremiah Azair Thomas. And he has so much personality. <laughs> he smiles, he giggles. He looks at you with like the corner of his eye, like, no, why are you doing that? No. I mean, he will fuss at you if you wake up up from a nap. And uh, he's just such a joy and such a delight. But I've had to experience the full spectrum of life, which is very unique and something I never could have anticipated. 
Through it all, as I reflect on Scripture and for, for guidance, for stability in times, for boldness in times, I'm reminded of Paul's words to Timothy as he helped, as Paul helped a young minister during his time in Ephesus. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, and do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You will save both yourself and your hearers. Two aspects I want to draw out for you um, from Paul's instruction to Timothy. The first is that through Paul, God asks Timothy to be an example. Say example. Come on, everybody. Say example. God asked Timothy to be an example. Now, Timothy's example was the foundation upon which was the, and the driving force to eliminate all the criticism that Timothy was getting from the church. Timothy, you're too young. Timothy, you're ill-equipped. Timothy, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that. Now, again, imagine being in Timothy's shoes. He's a young minister seeking after the relationship that he once had with Paul, the closeness to be able to travel with him throughout all these different countries. And now he doesn't have that. He doesn't have his mentorship. He doesn't have people that he can lean on. But what he does have is the letter from Paul, instruction to do what? To be an example for all the believers. Now, we can even see from Paul's letters to Ephesus that being an example just in general was an issue. I mean, how many times in Paul's letters to, to the Ephesians does he say, be an example for other believers? So we can see that the church itself had issues of being an example. Timothy had issues of being an example through, the, through all the criticism that he was surrounded with. But yet, Paul still tells him, be that example. Here's the point. Our example in doing God's work in any shape or form, whether for us is it ministry, missions work, technology, whether it's business, arts, education, no matter what shape or form we are called to do God's work in, our example is bigger than our occupation. Providing an example of Christ is more risky than our comfortability would ever allow. Our example is more valuable than any action opposed against God's standard for morality. Our example, your example, my example, is necessary for the world. Yet I fear 
that at some point we've all kind of shied away from being that example. We've kind of just put it to the side, and it doesn't happen all at once. It's not like we neglect it altogether. We don't wake up in the morning and say, this day I'm not going to live for Christ. No one ever does that, right? But it's slow. It's steady. When we reply to culture, culture's trends, the current trends surrounding us, and we sprinkle a little Jesus on it, right? Sprinkle a little Jesus on it. You know, I, t- I may mention his name a little bit, but when we reply to the cultural trends and the, and the things that are going on in the world, we do enough to make ourselves feel good, that we've accomplished something great. But we don't do enough to truly make a difference or even cause a healthy offense to someone that ne- really needs it. To change the mind of an individual that's living in the world that's aggressively discounting the thought of God and the thought of him being a savior and a redeemer for them. I wonder, are we doing enough? Are we providing a healthy example? Because if we don't do these things, if we don't effectively demonstrate our faith, we lose our example when we allow others to reframe what God says is bad, directly in our friend groups, in our our relationships, wherever you go, maybe at the workplace, when you let people frame and say, hey, what you're doing is okay and God doesn't care. When we don't step up and be the example, we lose our example. But I want to encourage you to remember this. We were not made to conform to this world. But we were made to transform it. I said we were made to transform it. We were made to transform it. We were made to stand out. We were made to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope to a world that's desperately dark and in darkness and needing a Savior, needing a light to run to. I really appreciate the song that we just sang a couple moments ago, receive the light. We need to both receive the light and then be the light in this dark time. The second aspect I want to draw out to you is this, this idea of response. See, as we respond to God through prayer, through worship, through obedience to his word, showing love to a lost world, illuminating the goodness of God to people who only know loss, We create an example. Timothy, through Paul's command to devotion, is challenged to respond with action as his action becomes his example. See, there's a relationship between the two. There's a relationship between our example and our response. We respond to God for all he's done and for all who he, all he is to us, how he's changed us, how he's maybe at times motivated us, has, and times he's comforted us. We respond to God. But in our response, we set an example for everyone around us who isn't a believer and show God's worth. We demonstrate God's value. We demonstrate God's goodness and mercy In some ways, they're both one and the same. Our response to God is an example to others. 
We see this demonstrated throughout the Bible. It's not something that I'm making up. It's not something that's just in the life of Timothy. We see in Acts when all the disciples were receiving instruction from Jesus in this, to wait in the city, the disciples gathered and prayed. And this was their response to Jesus, who is God to do something, to be obedient in this matter. And when the promise came, they themselves became an example to people representing many nations as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. In the Bible, we find that, that reoccurring uh, phrase where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Again, showing our response to God to go, our response in going and through our disciple-making giving an example of Christ's teachings. John 13, we see uh, during the night of Passover, Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and Master, washed, have washed your feet, yet also to wash one another's feet, you also should wash one another's feet. For I have given you, Jesus is saying, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Again, showing the relationship between the two. Your response to God in conduct and speech and action and love and in purity becomes our example to others. Now, make no mistake, our response isn't just one thing. Our response is holistic. Our response has to do with everything that we do, action, everything that we see, everything that uh, we, we imagine, everything that is a part of us, where we go, what we say, how we interact with one another. In fact, the Bible says that the world will know that you follow me based on the interaction that you have with those who are fellow members of this godly family. Our response is holistic, impacting every single area of our lives. And as we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, freeing us of all concern, as we experience Jesus forgiving us of all of our sins, all of our trespasses, all of our iniquity, as we experience all that God has to offer, we must, no, we must, to everyone that we know, be an example. From the years I've been here, here's what I've learned. Probably the most important. Life is short. It's short. Not just our lives, but the lives of every single individual around us. Life is short. Everyone, and I mean everyone, everyone is valuable. Everyone has significance, and everyone has a part to play in the grand scheme of God's kingdom coming here upon earth. We, me and you, we know Christ, and he knows us. But if we don't respond to God accordingly, wholeheartedly, holistically, in conduct, in speech, in action, in love, and in purity, if we don't devote ourselves to him, and then also exemplify all that he is through our actions, the world will not know.
See, we can't just wait for the next person to do something so amazing that thousands of people come to Christ, though I am encouraged by it. I love mass evangelism. I love prophetic evangelism. I love what we do to draw the crowds of people and to change the minds of individuals. But here's the thing. Like I said, you have a role to play. If you don't speak to one person, that one person will not know. And that's as black and white as it comes. Paul concludes that excerpt saying that persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Through this concluding excerpt, we see that Paul is expressing, kind of showing Timothy's response to God through devotion, right? And that devotion keeps him from veering away, veering away from the Lord's plan and from the Lord himself. Secondly, that little excerpt, it shows how Timothy's example leads others to Christ. Friends, family, brothers and sisters, mentors, we're the next generation. We're the next leaders. And I say again, for a world that's aggressively discounting the very thought of God. And it's important that you and me do two things. Respond to God and give an example. Now, I'm not going to be ignorant. Some of us in here have trouble responding to God. We have things that are barriers that block us from responding to the goodness and mercy that God has. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Secondly, some of us have troubles being that example, exemplifying who God is in a context that's out of the ordinary, a context that's uncomfortable, a context where you just don't feel equipped to, example, to exemplify him and his teachings. Today, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Ben, you can come up. Now, I want to caution you. Don't let the time keep you from receiving what you know that the Lord wants to give you. For some of you, you know the challenges that you have. For those of you that are challenged to respond to God, I want to make a declaration to you. You can respond today. You can start today because here's the thing. When you start today, it will help you in the now and it will help you in your future. It will stay with you. You'll stay the course. You won't veer away. If you just respond to the goodness and the love and the greatness and the exaltation that we Give to God all that he has to offer. Second, for some of you that are challenged by this example thing, man, I want to tell you, you can be that example. You're already equipped. You have all the things that you need. But if you need God to give you a little nudge, this altar is where you find it. 
that nudge, that push to go out of your comfortability, to go out into the unknown, to go out and walk on waters, to define your faith, those defining moments, inflection points that build your character, that show you that you are more than the conqueror. You are an ambassador of Christ, one that goes before and dictates the moral standard, dictates the character, dictates the kingdom of God here on earth. I think we all can use a little bit of that example. Today is your day to respond. You can come up to the altar whenever you want. I'm going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. But I challenge you now, even if it's one, even if it's two, to come to the altar now. If you need help with responding to God, Respond to God now. Come to the altar. If you need help giving that example of who Christ is, if you want to grow in that, that area of your Christian life, I, I, I implore you, come now. Come now. Because today is the only day that's promised. Today is the day for your change. Not tomorrow. Not next year, not with the next chapel speaker. Today is your day for change. Today is your day to respond to God. Today is your day to be that example. If you could all stand up for me here in this place. For those of us that maybe this altar call is not for you, it's okay. Thank you for indulging me. I hope you got something good from it. But let's just take just a couple of minutes to pray for those that are dealing with responsive issues, that are dealing with ex exemplary, example issues, that want to grow, grow closer in that relationship with Jesus and grow closer to understanding who he is. Let's pray for them. Can I get an amen on that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each and every individual that has responded to the call, responded to and come, has come to this altar. Father, for those that have issues of responding to you and have feel like they veered away from your calling, veered away from what it means to be a Christian, veered away from these things, I come against the enemy now in the name of Jesus. I come against him now in the name of Jesus. Every satanic attack that's on these individuals, I command it to be null and void in the name of Jesus. I come against homosexuality now. I come against uh, uh, alcohol now. I come against drug use now. I come against immoral relationships now. I come against issues of, of inadequacy. I come against issues of, of, of mental issues, mind games. I come against uh, baggage from past uh, setbacks and past actions. I come against all of it. Whatever the barrier, God, I knock down the barrier in the name of Jesus, and it must be knocked down now in the name of Jesus. And every single individual that's wanting to respond to you, God, I pray that the pathway is made, that the pathway is paved, that it's sure, that it's not crooked, and that it leads to you in Jesus' name. For those that are, are battling uh, the, the these difficulties of exemplifying you in an authentic way, Father, I come against all fear now in the name of Jesus. For you have not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but you've given us a spirit of, of power. You've given us a, a power, love. You've given us a sound mind. You've given 
given us tools. And Father, just like Timothy had to fan the flame that was inside of him, fan the flame to stir the gifts. Father, I pray that each and every individual in this room would not neglect the gift that is within them, but Father, that they would grow closer in that relationship with you and that they would experience that gift, that they would take hold of that gift, that they would take ownership of the gift of the responsibility that we have to demonstrate your faith, to demonstrate your word, to show your spirit, to be a walking billboard of your plan for the kingdom of God to come here on earth, to be a a, a mouthpiece, a spokesperson of Jesus's soon and coming uh, arrival, to be a beacon of revival in every single industry, in every single place in our culture, in every single uh, demographic, in every single community, church, uh, para-ministry, wherever you lead them, God. God, I pray that you would take them and make them a small fire, making it into a big fire, that they would spread your spirit of revival, spread your spirit uh, of change, and Father, demonstrate who Jesus is in their place, in their position, and in their calling. God, we give you ourselves all that we have. We respond to you holistically. And we give an authentic example to the people in the world that don't have one. This is our desire, God. In Jesus' name we pray. If you want to stay and pray, it's all good. Come and pray. If you got to go, you got to go, and I understand it. Thank you for those that have stayed to pray for these individuals. I love you. Let God's name be glorified today and forevermore. You're dismissed.